0: I want to introduce you to uh, the guy that's going to be speaking this morning. Andre Robinson is uh, here from uh, South L.A. Uh, How many of you were here last fall when uh, my friend Matt Moore, he's an elder, he was at the time an elder at Cornerstone Simi in uh, California? Anybody remember that? Okay, good, 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 good. Um, so Matt was here and was talking about they were going to be planting a Cornerstone Church in South L.A. Uh, at the same time, uh, Andre, you were in Jacksonville at that time, is that right? You were living in Jacksonville. They hooked up, uh, connected, and, and, and now we're planting together in South L.A., Cornerstone South L.A. And so I uh, want to invite him up. This is Andre. Andre. I want to encourage you to in the back in the lobby, there's a a place where you can sign up to get newsletters from Andre, uh, his family about the work there in South L.A. I get Matt's. Maybe you signed up for that uh, last year. Just wonderfully worshipful to go through that and see the things that the Lord is doing through them in the city there. And I would encourage you to do that just as as a way to pray for them, uh, but also to just to hear the, the miraculous things that God is doing And so uh, I love you. I'm glad you're here. Let me pray for you. And then you can have it. Father, thanks so much for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. You're so good to us, Lord. Thank you for giving us your word. And Lord, I pray. um, First, I praise you for Andre. I thank you for all that you're doing through him, through the team there in South L.A. God, thank you for your spirit that is powerful and effective Uh, Thank you for how you're moving and working there. And Lord, I pray, I pray that today you would anoint his lips, the words of his mouth and the meditations of his heart would be acceptable to you, Lord, and that you would open our hearts by your spirit, Lord, you would awaken us, open our hearts that we would have ears to hear from you today as you speak through Andre. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.
1: We'll do a little bit of... um... Update on Cornerstone South LA before we open the text and kind of dive in. So they have a little PowerPoint thing. We'll rock and roll with that a little bit. But uh, my lovely family and I are. up. Right. Oh yes, yes. My lovely family and I. That's my wife Luna, my beautiful one, my little boy Benjamin, and little Cecilia. We're walking down some random alley in um, near Crenshaw. You know, Boys in the Hood. Have you ever seen that movie? We're walking down some alley. My mother was not exactly thrilled about this picture when we sent her this picture. Like, I got a phone call so quickly. Why are you guys in an alley, mom? It's a picture, and uh, we don't live in the alley. You'll be at our house. She's like, why are you in the alley? Why do you have my kids in the alley? Weird. But um, she was not so happy about the picture because I don't know if you know anything about South Central. Um, There's some things called gangs there. You know, you have gangs, too, in Columbus. But, you know, the Crips the Blood, you know, they kind of – they don't really rule L.A. anymore. It's now, like, MS-13 and, you know, the Latino gangs. They're the one ruling the, the, the drug trade down there now. That's my oh. I miss them. I'm going to see them tonight. I'm so, I'm so thrilled to be leaving Ohio and going home. I've been here for a week now, and I'm, I'm excited about going home. But that's my, my two little ones that my wife has blessed me with. And um, we have moved from Jacksonville, Florida. It was a funny, funny story. Matthew was out at some um, conference in uh, last October. And um, I was supposed to be at that same conference, actually. I was doing inner city work in Jacksonville, Florida, um, in the murder capital, Florida at that time. We, we love saying that. It was like murder capital. I worked there of uh, Florida. Um, and, and then I had, we had to leave. Um, I couldn't really handle the weather um, because of an accident. I just, the weather was too much. You're like, oh, he's so weak. Just, it was uh, like, I just couldn't handle every electrical storm, all of that. It like affected me deeply. And so that sounds so weird to say, but so I had to leave. And so my wife was like, let's go. And so I was really going to leave inner city work because who wants to do inner city work anymore? It's kind of like, you know. I've done that, been there, let's move on to the nice paying church job. And so um, that was going to be kind of the legitimate of that. And so I was going back to Master's College where I went to school and I was telling some folks, hey, hook it up. Make sure I get a good job. I can do this or do that, but make sure it's like at least seventy-five, eighty thousand dollars or more, so we can like live. You know, I'm tired of this kind of nonsense. So I was going back there to tell them we were no longer going to do inner city work. It was their inner city kind of week, whatever. And so I was there, and I was hearing all these great stories. Then I was going to sing a song, and I was like, oh, great. And so I I decided that it was too crazy that God was probably directing my heart to maybe think about to continue on with inner city work. And so, um, I was praying and, and, and just kind of stayed an extra couple of days and looked at LA and I called my wife and I said, what do you think about staying with inner city work? She says, I'm fine. Just do whatever you think God is calling us to do. And I'm like, okay, a lot of pressure, but we'll, we'll rock and roll with that. And, and so, um, uh, we pretty much were like, LA's is it. I was getting off the plane, hopped in the car, Matthew Moore called and he said, Hey, I want to talk to you about inner city work. And I was like, why do you need to talk about inner city work, dude? Like, whatever. Okay. Suburban pastor. Okay. What do you want to know, Matthew? And, and so he's like, I'm thinking about, you know, doing a church plan in LA. And I'm like, really? I'm like, okay. And I'm like, no one knows this besides my wife. I'm like, so no one knows that I I'm even leaving Jacksonville. So I'm like, okay i'm talking i'm like what part of la because la is a big area right so i'm like what part of la it's probably not where i'm going you know so where and he's like he's like oh i got a map because he's all you know kind of nerdy like that he has a map he sends it off to me and i'm like literally i pulled over i look at him i'm like hey, is that Crenshaw high school I'm like this is funny dude i'm leaving jacksonville and we're gonna do a church plant in la too i think he's like maybe god's moving us together I'm like probably not Um, (laughs) that's what I said I was like probably not but uh, we'll see and so um, prayed about it and then That was that. And that was like a a year, a little more than a year ago. And we have been blown away at what God has just been doing as we were just kind of responding to the call to be out there. Um, Do not get it twisted. Just because I am black does not mean that I am from the culture of South Central Los Angeles. I know some of you are like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was easy for you because you're black and you must. No, 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 no. I'm from Ventura, California, you know, raised in a beach town, you know, Whatever. You know, it would trust me just as different as it'd be for y'all to go out there. I'm assuming maybe not all of y'all, but maybe um, it was whole, my my mom was like, you're going you're going to what? You're coming back to California to live where? She's like, oh, great. Oh, great. My mom is a saved, sanctified kind of saint. So but she was like, what? And I was like, yeah, she's like, oh, oh baby. All right. Well, you know, that's what God is calling you to do. You do that. And so we it was a totally different culture in a lot of ways and we have been just absolutely blessed as we've seeked to just kind of roll you can just hit hit it just we've been really blessed as we've just um these are the family matt moore susan um they're one of their longtime friends she's moved down with us that's josh groman and his family he teaches at eternity bible college that's jeff henson and his family and he is uh the cornerstone community like arts director he's now with us and we've been blown away of who got because I heard when, when they started, Tony started Cornerstone out here, 12 families, the drummer and some folks, moved themselves down to good old Columbus, Ohio from Southern California. This is not like Southern California. I know, you're shocked. But this is not like Southern California. This is a totally different world down here. And it's great. I loved it. I saw an Amish person, like, a couple days ago. It was really cool. And we talked. I think he was more surprised to see me, actually. That was a trip. And, um, but when Matthew shared at Cornerstone, the very same church that you shared... Right, Um, they laughed at Matthew. They were like, "You want us to wear?" And he's like, "Some of you work in LA. I'm so excited about this. Move down to South Central with us." And and they're like, they like broke up in in laughter, and he was devastated. And so we are thrilled that God has placed with us the right folks who've decided to kind of join the team and move down there. So right now, it's it's been all about understanding the culture, understanding their values, um, building relationships, and then building that core team. And so this is just the neighborhood a little bit. These are probably like the, you know, these are dramatic, like the, you know, like the worst pictures you could kind of show, a dilapidated old house and say, oh, look at poor little us. This is where we live. But that is your know, railroad. Just, you know, I don't know. That's artsy, whatever. Um, And so there you go. Keep going. Keep going. Our mission statement is really, really simple. It's really to give every individual an accurate picture of Jesus Christ and to help them become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ, making disciples, loving God and loving people. That's kind of our motto, what we are designed to do. And we want to live that out in South Central. Um, It's an interesting place just because the perceived threat of what you think is out there. Um, Most people who come to L.A. How many of you have been to L.A. before? You've been to L.A.X. before? How many of you have been to L.A.X.? So you've been to my you been to my hood. All right. You been? Did you come and Did you you drove around Watson, Compton and South Central? You were right there. Like, it's right there, and then you just turn, and you're right there. That's where we are. Um, We're kind of up the street a little bit more and more um, the Hyde Park kind of area and uh, where Crenshaw High School is. So kind of where Boys in the Hood, the old school movie, was kind of centered out of that's where our home is. And so it's not the Hood anymore to me. It's just, you know, that's my neighborhood. That's where I chill. So um, that's what we're doing. And we are so excited to be able to be be there um our approach to ministry was simply to move in the neighborhood an incarnational way of just living amongst them being there chilling with them that they are us we are them now so let's not have the difference you know because a lot of times people don't move into LA when I was saying oh I'm gonna leave in Ventura they're like you don't like Ventura I'm like oh no I love Ventura it's nice they're like why are you leaving dude we're gonna do a church plan here and they're like here I'm like yeah yeah here they're like they're like they kick you out of a church out there why why would you come over here i'm like man we loved it you know and so um to love to love god and love people is our motto and then it was to learn understand the culture that we're going to and that's what we've been doing and now we are in the steps of god has opened the doors we've simply tried to serve like how christ served and we're involved in a school there and um they've literally it's i mean it's a public school not a believer as a principal but he has just opened up the door for us to we're going to start a bible club um during like it's like third fourth and fifth period and um k through first second through third and fourth through fifth and we'll do it every thursday and we're just amazed at just how god has just opened up this door it's technically illegal um but there is a law there that you can get out for religious activity but normally it's off-site but he's like so what it's off-site have it on campus i'm like dude we don't want you to lose job." what are they gonna do i'm like oh okay are you sure and so he's like yeah have it on campus and uh and that day when we were talking about him a third grader like smacked him in the face this is a giant like six foot five huge huge black guy and this little third grader knocked the glasses right off of his face so when we came he's like yeah you do that jesus stuff right here on this campus get them some jesus and so we're like praise god you know and so it's been amazing how god has just opened up the doors and so keep us in your prayers we would covet your prayers your partnership Uh, i think it's philippians 1 5 that says how paul's saying your partnership in the gospel until now we believe this is a partnership the body of christ we partner together and we tell them like they're like okay you're pastors but we don't have a church yet so how do you get paid they're like Drug dealers, and we're like, no, 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 and we're like, you know, people from, you know, Ventura, see me all over the country, um, support us, so we can be here to serve in this way. They're like, what? And it's been an amazing testament we said, man, we're, we're here to serve. We don't have a hidden agenda. We want to start a church here. We want to get to know people and to love people. So we're here to serve. Matt's the PTA president. I'm the schoolwide council president. And uh, we sit in a lot of boring meetings. But it's worth it because we get to understand the culture. We get to love on people. And we get to know more folks. So I'll handle a boring meeting for that. I will not handle a boring church meeting. That is not acceptable. Um, but that, for the kingdom of God, okay, I'll handle a couple of boring church meetings too. It's totally worth it. And um, we are thrilled at what God is doing in Cornerstone, South L.A. And to be kind of one of y'all's, you know, like sister churches, it's kind of cool. I I did not know Tony. I knew of him, but I did not know Tony. Everyone's like, oh, you knew Tony? I did not know. Did you? No, no. We just, just heard of you. yeah, who are you? Um, so we just kind of met and he knew obviously Matthew and Matthew and he helped disciple this cat over here and got him out here and yada, yada, yada. I grew went to school with Kurt and Kim. And so that was a the connection. Then they Started coming here, and so we then, oh, look at the marriage, how weird. And I think you thought Matthew was doing something, and they were saying their friend is doing something, and then you guys realized it was us doing it together. Random, but I love that. I love how the body of Christ just works. Um, that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. So, that's kind of what's going on. I'll be outside in the back afterwards. You can sign up for the updates and all that good stuff. Let's pray, and let's just get down to the text, yeah? God, We just want to stop and put any distractions away, and we just want to lay everything before you, asking that you would just awaken our hearts, that you would guide our minds, that you would cause us to be able to just feast upon you and your word. And thankful, in fact, that your word is alive and active. Your word is what penetrates our our thoughts and, and helps us just to see clearly, God. We pray that, like Isaiah, that we would see you high and lifted up, and we would realize that we are undone before you, and the only way that we can be made whole is to be before you a holy God who desires his people to redeem them and draw them closer to you. So, God, we pray that James, when it says that draw near to God and you will draw near to us, we pray that, God, you would help our hearts to draw near to you. We thank you for your grace, your undeserved love that's been poured upon us, God. And so all those in hymns that Ephesians was talking about, we we were saying, God, we pray that we would just relish those and that we would just think about your goodness and that we would think about how you're calling us to live life and that you would empower us by your spirit to do what you called us to do. In your precious name we pray, amen. Hey, turn with me, if you will, to James chapter two, and that's where we'll be. I said in the first service, um, I've had a, I I learned to really love the book of James. It's been a book that God has used to awaken my own um, spirit and soul in so many different ways. Um, James 127, when it talks about pure religion is to take care of widows and orphans and keep oneself undefiled from the world was was a passage that I, I read when I was, reading don't waste your life by john piper and i was a youth pastor and i was doing really well as a youth pastor at a really large church and making good money and all those good things and and it just seemed like god was just using it to stir in me like are you sure you're getting it right um and and i'm a very legalistic person and um, james was this thing i've never thought about widows and orphans i don't even care about widows and orphans you know it's like one in the world you know and uh, this passage just was like well, that's pure religion And to keep, okay, undefiled, be holy, I get that. Everybody else is unholy, I get that. But, you know, and so it was a really the thing that God just used to grip my heart in a lot of different ways. And so I I love this book. um, And I I pray that our time together, I'm gonna try to keep it really, really simple. Because I I think sometimes the simple things are the things that smack you in the face, you know? Sometimes when your wife just says, I love you, and you're like, well, well, thanks, babes. Oh, you know, and those simple things mean a lot. So I think the simple, if we can keep this passage just simple, hopefully it will do that. It will smack you in the face. It smacked me, so it's all good, you know. Turn the other cheek, I turned it, it's good. So let's read this, James 2, verses 14 through 22. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If you clearly see the need, you even speak the need. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled. Without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For the body apart from the spirit is dead. So also faith apart from works is dead. We live in a world, at least I live in a part of the world, where um, loudness is kind of in. I'm, a, no, I'm just saying, I'm a loud person. Okay, that's just, I'm a loud. I'm, I speak loud. I'm a loud person. But I'm saying, you know, when you're in the car and you got some knucklehead on the side of you, probably doesn't happen here in Ohio, but where I'm from, you can hear the music. And it's like the louder they, they pound it, it's like, yeah, we're representing. This is who I am. And so sometimes we live in this culture where it's like the louder you are kind of says that you're a little bit more legit, you know? But in this passage, it's really kind of the opposite. It's saying here that really faith is meant to be what? Seen and not really heard here. That the implications of the gospel, true faith is that it is seen and not heard. True faith is, is the, small, it's the, it's the small ways how it impacts your life. It's what you're doing. It's not in just the great proclamations. True faith here is it's a very practical sense of faith in verse 14 through 17. It deals with the idea of, it says brothers. So we know that it's dealing with the fact that he's talking to believers, people who help profess Christ, people who would say they believe in Jesus. These are the Christian folks here. And he's saying, well, I said this earlier. It's, it's like the old folks that say, not everybody talking about heaven is going to heaven. So we have a lot of people in church circles that want to profess something, but maybe they don't really believe it. Maybe it ain't really legit for them. And so it asks the question, can a faith like this The faith that is all talk and it's not real, can it really save you? What good is it? The test asked because it doesn't really help. In James one, you see that the faith is meant to be tested Consider it joy, my brothers, when you face various trials, so the, the difficulties and hardships of life, your faith should be able to be complete, not lack anything, and, and cause you to be seen as, ooh, this is true because your faith is being tested here. James 2, 1 through 13, it deals with how you're treating each other. Now that you're saved, now that you, you know Christ, how are you treating those that are differently, different from you? How are you treating those in different economic groups? How are you dealing with folks? It reminds him of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 3, which says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Jesus wants him to say, Your faith, how it caused you to respond to each other in the household of faith? And then we have this situation in verses 15 through 16. I love this one. Verses 15 through 16, you have this brother comes to your door. So this Christian comes to your door, and you're in your nice, warm house, and you can clearly see. When you open the door, that this person is lacking some clothing and looks a little hard. They look, look tired from the the day's journey. Let's say, whoa, you beat up, man! And you're like, oh, come on inside, sit down in the living room, and you and you got a spread on your table, and you're like, oh, we were about ready to eat. <laughs> You know, we were at, oh, we were, I was smoking all day, some ribs, you know, I had some macaroni and cheese, some collard greens, and oh, it was going to be a good old time. But, you know, we're going to, I'm going to help you right now. Come over here, sit in my living room. How you doing? What's going on? And you, and you're so concerned, obviously, because you sit them down in your nice warm house. Let me put the, no, not the fire. We don't have much time for that. But just how are you doing? Man, let me read something from you from the word of God to, to minister to you man, let me say a prayer and just ask God to, to deal with you. Let me just ask God to help you find some food and clothing, just help you because, oh, Spirit of God, do something. And then you say, well, we won't eat now. It's time for you to go. But, man, be warm, be filled. And you just send them out. The scripture says, what good is that? You do this great spiritual kind of thing, and then you just kick them out. They're like, oh, th- oh th- thanks. Well, you can imagine if, if that was you, and you're like, oh, I was kind of hoping, you know, you would help me out. Like, and I'm not saying you just help every broke person come to your house type of situation. That's the reality. is, It's showing your heart. here. He's like, look at your heart. Is your faith really helping in this situation? Look, look what's going on. You recite this number 16 Aaron kind of stuff. And you're doing, you're saying spiritual stuff, but you ain't doing anything spiritual. You're not doing any godly business here. You're saying all the right things, but you ain't doing what's right says what use is that the world the church god doesn't need faith that is all talk and doesn't touch where and how you live right our faith is meant to touch where and how we live this kind of faith doesn't get you to heaven it says can this faith save him over in verse 14 what good is it my brother says he has faith but does not have works can that faith save him verses 15 through 16 simply says the kind of faith won't help you to live here on earth either. You can clearly see the need. You even speak the need of a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking daily food. And one of you says to them, go in peace, be warned and filled without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that? It says this kind of faith is dead. It doesn't renew one's soul. It doesn't alter one's destiny. It doesn't change what's happening around. This kind of faith is simply dead. Verse 17. So also faith by itself, if it does not have works is dead. So the question is, do you have faith? Got faith. We just pray it's not dead faith, right? We just pray that it's a faith that isn't, doesn't, you know, just stop there. Oh, we said it, but we don't do anything. Verse 14 through 17 confronts a verbal ascent. It's more than what you say. It's practical. Our faith, Um, it must hit you at home in your neighborhood, at your schools, at work. Verse 18 confronts a mental ascent, meaning what? It's more than what you know. Verse 18, we're introduced to an opponent here. It says, someone will say you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from works, and I will show you my faith by my works. We live in a faith uh, 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 society today. I think where a lot of times we kind of live that model a little bit. Oh, I believe. I, oh, I believe in God. He's so good. He's so good. Oh, but that's for you to do, Pastor. That's for, oh, that's for that missionary to do. I, I don't do that kind of stuff. And so we we attack, oh, we believe, here's our faith, but all the works are meant for someone else to do. I said earlier, it's kind of like American Idol type of thing. You're cool with seeing the show. You love sitting in the pews, and as long as it's going your way and the song sounds good, then you're okay. okay if not, then you become one of the judges, right? You're like, that girl did not hit that note. She was a little was she a little was she a little flat, she was. And you get kind of lost in it, and you like American or maybe X Factor, whatever, the voice, whichever one you want, you there now to judge. But the church is not meant for you to be just simply in the pews, just sitting there. The church is meant to stir you up towards loving good deeds. And so the reality is we kind of have this, oh, here's my faith and here's my works. And scripture just will not tolerate that. Verse 18, I will show you my faith by my works. It's a whole put up or shut up mentality. You can say you just, you can say, you can't say you just believe. You have to prove your faith. You have to prove it. It must be demonstrated by what you're talking about, how you're living. It's got to be illustrated. That's the beauty of the cross, isn't it? That God sent his son to die for us. That's why we love the cross. That's why we sing those songs that deal with the cross, because that's where it was clearly demonstrated. Romans 5:8. you know, he demonstrated his love towards us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He showed us his love. We love that. That's why old school, Lance did not know the song. He says, y'all don't know here I am to worship. I said, how can a church, it's like a Christian hymn now. It's like 15 years old, here I am to worship. And there's a line that says, and I'll never know how much it costs. And, and musically, you kind of build it up. And you, you're going to split it, go up a third. And it's like, oh, this big. Oh, and you're like, oh, yes, I'll never know. And people start raising their hands because this is the point where you go, man, he's demonstrated his love for me. This is the amazing part. And we're like, yes. And musically, we, we build that up. We, we play with the emotions a little bit like, yes. We love that. You love that. You love the fact that God demonstrates his love for you. But yet it seems like when it comes to us demonstrating that same faith, we don't seem to be so cool with that. That's weird. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? So here he's saying, man, you know what? There's a doctrinal challenge. You quote the great Shemal, you quote the Lord is one. It's a, it's a tenet of the Christian faith. you you got that. Well, it says even the demons know that. Demons have some great theology and doctrine. What good is that for you? It, it deals with the reality that when every time Jesus and the demons were on the scene, you have like um, um, Mark 124, Matthew 8, 29. They always were like, oh, we know who you are, Jesus. Okay, it's not our time, Jesus, don't, oh, Holy One of Israel, don't, don't throw us in the abyss, have mercy. The people were, after seeing miracles, they were like, is he Elijah? Who is this? But the demons clearly understood who he was. So here the text is saying, it's not enough just to say you know certain things and you have great doctrine and theology. You can have great theology and get it wrong. You can be blinded in some areas and be like, whoa. And so it's saying, don't just go by saying, oh, you have this great theology. And I, I come from circles where it's all about the theological rhetoric. You know, I, I could really do a sermon on this passage and just make it all deep theology and talk about, you know, are you saved by works and faith? But it's like, well, the point, you know, people are like, well, why do you teach on that? And so it's much more than just having some sense of great doctrine. That is so vital and so important, but it's more than just that. God is not impressed by how much you know, folks. Once again, do you have faith? You make sure it's not dead faith, right? And it best not be demon faith. Wow. Can you imagine that? Got faith? Oh, you got some demon faith right there. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, verse 20, that faith apart from works is useless? Foolish person here is meant to show not just the unsaved, but it's meant to show a person who, let's say, isn't as intelligent, lacks some brains, that kind of a person. It's saying, man, you're a foolish person if you're living this way. It's the person who's going through the motions. I I used to live in Jacksonville, Florida, and part of Jacksonville, Florida that I lived in was a um, pretty—we moved there to be with a lower socioeconomic group, one in nine. Um, Only one in nine drove cars— 34% of them made 18000 or less a year. We were the murder capital of Florida. We are the highest um, percentage for teenage HIV. Um, Whatever, 60% of our students did not graduate. Whatever the kind of, you know, statistic that you want to probably throw out there that show, oh, it's bad. We probably had it for Florida. But yet in the midst of the ugliness, God has resurrected a beautiful... Beautiful, beautiful First Baptist of Jacksonville. This place is so, you've been there, correct? Will you please testify? It, It is amazing. I mean, you got like parking structures, five, you know, five stories high. It is beautiful. And you can like, you know, catwalk. You don't even have to, you don't even have to see what's outside the church. You can just pull in and you can catwalk catwalk over to the big church you can catwalk down to the kids area and there's a giant slide that sends them down oh you're a third grader you can stop there oh you keep going down and it's amazing you and you don't ever have to see the community around that's a beautiful church the sing songs about god and and not see all the homeless and the destitute outside and you can just be like oh god is good that's a scary thing to be centered in the midst of just complete ugliness and your faith doesn't cause you to move and be and do something about these situations it's like you've been raised to give your seat to a woman if you see her standing and and you're on the bus one day and i mean how many of you have ever ridden the bus What? i never even ridden the bus before ain't that something ain't that something bus in america Yup. i ridden the bus like overseas but lord have mercy all right well you know i plan to but um or no, it gets crowded. I can see it when I'm driving by. I can see it's crowded out there, and I'm like, "Whoa, there are a lot of people up in there." I can imagine you a long day and you're working, and you get on the bus and you get a seat. You're like, "Oh, thank you, thank you, Lord, thank you for the seat." And so you close your eyes because you, 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 you know, you just close your eyes. Now you close your eyes for one reason because you were raised to be a good gentleman, and if you see a woman standing, what you gonna have to do? Give your seat. So you just close your eyes so you can be oblivious to any woman standing. Like, but I don't see that. I don't see that. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's my stop? Oh, okay. You can live your Christianity that way, just with your eyes closed. Oblivious, what's really going on. And that's a sad, sad thing. The Bible here says, oh, you foolish person. Don't live with your eyes closed. Verse 21, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works and the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God. It was counted to him as righteousness. He was called God. And you see that a person is justified by words and not by faith. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messenger and sent them out by another way. This is all about faith here. Two illustrations of what faith I love this because this deals with faith here has to go beyond what you say, goes beyond what you know, and it affects what you now do. So this is God saying, these are the illustrations of how I want my people to see what faith is all about. So he uses, of course, good old Abraham. You learn that if you you were raised in church, you learn that right away. Father Abraham had many sons. This is a pillar of the Christian faith. This This is Father Abraham. And God says here. His faith is what saved him. It says over in Genesis 15, he believed the Lord and it was counted to him as righteousness. So God knows his heart, sees his heart, and he says his um, be, he, belief is what was counted to him as righteous. Not, not his works, just belief is what was counted to him as righteous. The belief that he had in his God is what was counted to him as righteous, and that solely alone. It's the same thing we say, man, we live by faith and not by sight, right? We live by what Christ has done. That cross, we see it as beautiful because we get his righteousness. We believe on the cross, and that is that goes over in verse 21 some 30 40 years in genesis 15 it says god knows his heart but now it's time for everyone else to see his heart for now it's time for his heart to be demonstrated now it's time for his heart to show what he really believes so he says simply this hey abraham you know the son i promised you the one that you know all the laughter all the craziness i want you to go ahead and sacrifice him and abraham has to be like what oh okay oh wow i heard right he said sacrifice my son the father of many nations i kind of need children to do that but all right this is amazing and so literally it says over in 22 that he's walking with his son and he tells his son the son says oh we're gonna do a sacrifice hey well, you know hey father where's the where's the animal he's like don't worry son god will provide the sacrifice <laughs> i mean seriously, we read these things oh that's abraham could you imagine could you imagine i can't imagine me having to do that to benjamin we just think i surrender all this would be surrendering your all. This is the promise. This is Isaac who's going to give him everything. And now he's having to say, I surrender all. You raise your hands for it. But w- would you raise your hand like that when it's now time? When it was, you know, Mount Moriah and your knife is up? And would you be able to say, I'll sacrifice my whatever for God? This is crazy. Could you imagine being Isaac and he's like, hey, dad, we're going to, oh, okay. He'll provide a, okay. Oh you provide an altar? Oh, tying me up. This is kind of weird. Oh. I mean. We look at these and we just go, Abraham, ain't he something? Well, the reality is this would be mind-blowing. This would be like, oh, wow. And this is the, this is the example of what we say, this is faith. Hebrews eleven seventeen 17 through 19 says, Abraham believed if it meant um, that God would be true to his word, even if it meant he had to raise his son back from the dead. <laughs> wow. So even if he had to take his son's life, he was like, okay. They don't teach you CPR out here in the woods, so get up. He believed God. That's beautiful. Then you have the other example of of faith, Joshua 2, 6. And a little background story. This is um, Joshua and Caleb. They are spies way back in the day for Moses. They go into the promised land that um, Abraham would have been told. And now they're living that. No. Let Let me do my. Let me do my. Moses. No. So actually, so this is. Wow. So this is wow. these Israelites, they just don't. You know, I want you to check this one out. These Israelites. There's these beasts, these giant, tall, gigantuan people, and they are scared. We don't have, like, a gun. Just bang, you're gone. This is more like now this is going to be a battle with giant individuals. And they go, we cannot conquer this land. There's no way physically possible we will be able to conquer this land. I know somebody who did all that stuff for us told us it's up, to go, but we can't do that. So it won't happen. So God says, oh, okay, you don't want to believe. Then all y'all going to die. All you just got to die. And your children... Joshua you won't lead the children into the promised land. So it's now time. Grandparents dead because they didn't believe. And now the children are going to go forward. And literally, Joshua sends his spies into, and they go into Rahab. Now, I want you to understand Rahab. Rahab was, I see a lot of young people, so I'm going to do a color flick for you. Rahab was, um, she ran a business out of her home, a red light. And she ran out of her home. And so the spies go to Rahab, who's an entrepreneur. And she's running this business out of her home. A very immoral woman. It's a corrupt business. Sad, sad, corrupt, wicked, evil, evil. And um, the CIA of Jericho realizes she is in, they're, they're in the land. And so they send their spies and they go to her and she says, oh, they went out another way, another gate. Now, what's coming? in and not the fact that she lied. What's coming in is that she welcomed them in her faith now because she's heard of the Israelites. God, she's heard through some course of her business. She has heard that they are powerful and she believes in them. She believes in their God. So, this immoral woman is now centered as a pillar of faith for all of us, for all of Christianity to look at. This immoral woman that most of us be like, oh, real. Yeah, you know who just walked into church? I heard she did so and so and so. She is now the pillar of faith for us to look at as an example what faith is. And so you have here the reality that she then says, hey, hey, you gotta, when you come and conquer this land, remember me, remember my whole household. So they say, hey, okay, not a problem. Just have this covering over, it. you'll be you'll be good to go. They take the land, but the, the idea here, the reality is this, the faith saves them both. Th- this, this faith, this, this godly, Patriarch of our faith, Abraham, and this immoral woman, Rahab the prostitute. The patriarch who heard direct revelation of God, the, the immoral woman who kind of just had, let's say, some pillow talk and she found out about God. God saves them both. And this is an example of how your faith doesn't flesh out like this. The only work that will save you, obviously, is that of the cross. But then how the implications of the gospels we live, we live our faith out is, is most meant to impact us in a very practical sense. In our homes, our schools, our neighborhoods. We've been saved just like Abraham and 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 Rahab through grace, through through faith through grace alone, right? Ephesians 2. But now that faith, you've got to express that faith. You've got to express what you claim to believe, what you say you know. You've got to live that out. I, I, I'm tired of seeing Christians who want to say this and say that, but yet we don't do the things that God is calling us to do. This world that we're living in is crying out for light to be light in the midst of darkness. For us to say, I'll surrender all, I'll give everything up for the sake of the gospel. And not not just the pastor, the clergy, the missionary over in Mozambique. That's awesome. But I don't think too many folks will go with you. But maybe some would. Maybe for the sake of the gospel, some would go. Maybe for the sake of the gospel, some, we would give up everything to flesh this thing out. If God's calling us to do it, we would say, I'm doing it. I mean, because you really think about to to love your, your enemy, that's a pretty crazy thing to do. It takes some faith to do that. It takes faith that your God is sovereign. He is in control of those that um, are bothering you. And so he'll deal with those individuals. That's what David said a lot. You read the Psalms. David's like, deal with them, Lord. You deal with them now. Strike them. Deal with them. But he says, you do. God, you deal with them. So often we are ready to be like the original Israelites and say, we can't do this. And you're right. We can But that's why we say we live by faith and not by sight. We live in the God who does the impossible. We live in the one who says, I'll do more than you could ever think or imagine in Ephesians 3. But first he says what? I'll come and dwell and chill with you. So we serve a God who says, man, through faith we can do anything. Not faith in yourself. Not faith in anything you're investing in like good old Jonah. But just if you put your faith in the only one who deserves your faith. And so I pray that's true for you guys, like it's hopefully going to be true for us in Cornerstone, South L.A., that we would be examples of individuals that are motivated by our faith to respond to the grace of God. We would be individuals that are so moved by our faith that it would cause us to live and be different. And I pray that we same for you guys here in Columbus, you know, in your neighborhoods, in your families, in your schools, in your work, wherever you are, that that faith would just permeate through, that they would see Christ at work in you. Let's pray. God, we just want to thank you for your truth. We thank you for your word. We thank you for just being good to us. We thank you for being a God that we can count on, a God that we can trust at all times, a God who has never failed and will never fail us, a God who is the Holy One, completely separate from anything we can ever think or imagine, who is there's nothing else like you in the entire world. And because of that and that alone, God, we worship you because you alone deserve our worship.